Okay, so that is 20 minutes of silent meditation. I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed and we're going to add the third step prayer. <clears throat> we're going to add it slowly and consciously and we're actually going to live the prayer as opposed to just saying the prayer. So, one breath at a time. I breathe in the first line of the prayer. And the first line of the prayer to me is the word God. So I breathe in God. And I take a few breaths and I try to connect with that thing I call God. It's a spirit, an inside, all-knowing, all-power that goes with me wherever I go. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. I offer myself to thee. And I just consider what that line of the prayer means to me. Am I truly willing to offer myself to God today, right now? How committed am I to that? And what self am I offering? My hands, my tongue, my thoughts actions, what am I offering? And I breathe in the next line of the prayer, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. And I take a few breaths and I think about what my higher power might want to build with me or do with me today. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. Relieve me of the bondage of self. a few breaths and I breathe in the next line of the prayer that I may better do thy will And I take a few breaths and I think about how I might better do God's will if I'm not bound to this story, to these old ideas, to my opinions. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer, take away my difficulties.
and I take a few breaths and I think about what difficulties I've had today that I would like to have removed. And I breathe in the next line of the prayer, that victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths. And I think about the people I might come in contact with today. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. May I do thy will always. And whenever you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Allow yourself to become aware of the seeing that's happening. Breathing and seeing, staying connected, not running to do the next thing, whatever it is, unconsciously. So trying to keep some consciousness in everything that I do right now. I'm sitting in a chair. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. I'm seeing flowers. I'm seeing a thermos. God, I'm seeing a book. I'm seeing a computer. I'm seeing a coffee mug. I'm seeing a speaker. When I do this, I feel more connected to my higher power right now than I have all day. And this is where I'm, this is where I want to be right here, right now. I want to be in a place where I'm connected, where I'm conscious, but not just conscious, but I'm conscious of my connection with my higher power. And with this moment, I think that's what it means to be conscious is to be present in the now. And so the whole program is a program to have a spiritual awakening. As a result of these steps, the goal is to have a spiritual awakening, to have my spirit awakened so that I could be present in this moment. Because when the spirit's awakened, it's awakened. <laughs> It's here, it's now, it's alive, it's a living 
thing. Just like the disease is a mind-powered disease that's living. If I act, if I energize it, it's alive and it is acting as me. Or it looks and sounds a lot like me. And it feels like it's me, but I would rather be here. So I'm Randy and I'm alcoholic. I can never, ever drink alcohol again. I'm allergic to it. That's the way it is. Uh, I have a disease called alcoholism. That's why I'm here today. I'm here to treat the disease of alcoholism. It's a disease of unconsciousness. It's a disease of restless, irritable, and discontent. It's a disease for me. It's a self-talking mind. An unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind that is constantly trying to keep me from being present in this moment. To keep me anywhere but here. And so... uh, It's good to identify the disease. It's good to know what I'm treating because the 12 steps treat the disease of alcoholism. They're not a way to stop drinking, although drinking isn't necessary if I have treated the disease. If I don't treat the disease, I'm going to need to drink or I'm going to need to put a bullet in my head to shut up this self-talking mind that won't shut up, that never shuts up. It doesn't matter how much time I have doesn't matter how long it's been since my last drink, the mind does not shut up. It's constantly looking for something to be diseased about, to keep me from being okay in this moment, from being present, from being relaxed into this moment. So we're reading... uh, Harry Tebow papers, anyone who's not been here for a while. And uh, we're looking at surrender versus compliance. And this is a very dry paper that's written from one psychiatrist to other psychiatrists. But it's such a great description of the blocks from surrender uh, that it's worth looking at, I think. And it changed my life when I read it. So we're going to read through this. We're reading through this. So we're on page, well, there's no page. I'm on the paragraph that says acceptance, a step beyond recognition. So, when those who recognize the role of unconscious forces, then, did I read this last time? I didn't read this, right? Okay, good. Though, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Those who recognize the role of unconscious forces then take a curious next step. They talk about undermining the resistance by uncovering the reasons for the particular series of resistance, as if the unconscious mind must then accept the reasons. A non sequitur. It is one thing to see reason and quite another thing to behave with corresponding rationality. One patient neatly punctured this assumption. After eight years of analysis with four therapists of different schools, he began to get some inkling of acceptance as a state of mind that he sadly lacked. Finally, in a burst of awareness, he remarked, I know all the reasons but I don't know how to be reasonable. 
Isn't that me? I know all the reasons, but I do not know how to be reasonable. When the disease tells me that this is not good, I am not good about it. That statement aptly sums up my predicament. My logical mind could perceive and believe all of the factors underlying my difficulties, but I remained cantankerous and unreasonable as far as my feeling life was concerned. In my head or conscious mind, I could accept the explanations, but deep inside where the heart or the unconscious operates, there was no feeling of acceptance. So I understood that I shouldn't be angry, but I'm still angry. The capacity still had to be developed. Uncovering reasons for behavior, no matter how convincing, does not and cannot ensure acceptance of those reasons. This is why the sixth step doesn't say that I learned a bunch of stuff about myself in step four, and now I'm going to act better. The sixth step says, now that I know all this stuff about me, I'm going to turn to a power greater than myself to have these defects removed because I am not capable of doing it. Acceptance is a step beyond recognition, a further operation in the process of therapy. Many therapists have failed to discern this two-step process. The clue was my patient's use of the word reasonable. He could have said with accuracy, reasonable and accepting, because he was beginning to appreciate the fact that one's frame of mind governs one's response to things that are reasonable, or for that matter, unreasonable. What was not clearly appreciated is the fact that a state of reasonableness or acceptance or receptivity has an emotional origin that that rises from exactly the same source, as does the resistance and the forces that predominantly contribute to my well-being, namely the unconscious. Unless the unconscious has within it the capacity to accept, the unconscious mind can only tell itself that it should accept. But by doing so, it cannot bring about acceptance in the unconscious, which continues with its own non-accepting and resenting attitudes. So I tell myself I should accept this. I should just accept this. I, I should just accept this. But in my heart, I don't accept it. So I'm split. I want to accept it because I want to feel better. But I don't accept it because I don't accept it. Unless my unconscious has within it the capacity to accept, the unconscious mind can only tell itself that it should accept. But by doing so, it cannot bring about acceptance in the unconscious, which continues with its own non-accepting and resenting attitudes. This results in a house divided against itself. My conscious mind sees all the reasons for acceptance, while my unconscious mind says, but I won't accept. Wholehearted acceptance under such conditions is impossible. Experiences prove that in me as an alcoholic, a half-hearted reaction does not maintain sobriety for very long. The inner doubts all too soon take over. The alcoholic who stays dry 
must be wholehearted. Here I, met, I meet a complication. People accept the necessity of being wholehearted about alcohol, but not about everything else. I am determined to maintain my capacity for resistance. That's what it says in the first step in the 12 and 12. It says, I, ha uh, uh, oh shoot, I'm going to read it because now I remember what it says. It says, oh, every natural instinct in me, in my subconscious mind, cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. So I want to read some books about psychiatry and psychology, and I want to read some self-help books, and I want to be the power that decides when I'm going to be angry and when I'm not. And I want to be the power for my life. I want to learn some stuff. That's why I'm here today. I came here to learn some stuff. And I hope that if I learn some stuff, then I'll be able to act better. And I want to act better, not because I want to act better, but because I'm pretty sure that if I act better, I'll get more of the stuff that I want that'll make me happy. And that I'm sure that if I get the stuff that my mind tells me will make me happy, that one day indeed I will be happy. And I have this delusion, a lie that drives me, that tells me that one day I'm going to achieve this. <sighs> okay. Wholehearted, did I just read that? Wholehearted acceptance under such conditions is impossible. Experience has proved that in me as an alcoholic, a half-hearted reaction does not, my inner doubts all too soon take over. I must be wholehearted. I'm, and here I meet a complication. I accept the necessity of being wholehearted about alcohol. He says alcoholism, but alcoholism is everything. I, I accept the necessity of being wholehearted about alcohol, but not about anything else. I am determined to, to maintain my capacity for resistance. I fear the fact that if I become total acceptors, I will have no ability whatsoever to resist and will become a pushover, a complete Casper milk toast. I think that, uh, I don't know. White milk toast, that was a saying back in the 30s uh, about having no personality and being uh, a non-entity. Such fears of passivity are supported not only by conscious logic, but also by deep unconscious sources that cannot be dealt with in the present paper. Powerful forces are aligned against acceptance. Every natural instinct in me cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. Producing in me extreme conflict, which must be resolved if the capacity for acceptance is ever to be developed. So I'm going to have to find a way to get rid of this conflict. Now, alcohol does it. Alcohol is the first uh, acceptor, the crusher of the ego. Alcohol and the life that it produces crushes the life out of me to the state of where I go, finally, I can't do this anymore. I got I got I'll do anything to lift this burden of this alcohol poisoning that I keep poisoning myself. And in that alcoholic poisoning, I can't live a normal life anymore. And so 
I have a complete surrender in the moment to alcohol. And in that, but that surrender to alcohol in the beginning is a complete surrender. It's to alcohol and to everything because I realize that I can't do this on my own power. And I'm going to need help and I'm open to help. I'm receptive. But eventually the ego comes back and says, okay, yeah, I don't, I can't drink, but I can definitely get another job and I can get a different partner and I can get a different car and I can get a different house and I can read a good book now and I can figure out how to be happier. Okay, so I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to read some more. Compliance, partial surrender. Is this cool? Are you guys all cool? Because it's hard because you're not in the room with me. So it's hard to know if you're if you've left the planet or, or left the meeting. Okay. Compliance, partial surrender. When I am thus confronted with the question, what, what produces wholehearted acceptance? Oh, don't you want to know? My answer is, as before, surrender. But surrender is a step not easily taken by human beings. In recent years, because of my special interest in the phenomenon of surrender, I have become aware of another conscious and unconscious phenomenon, namely compliance, which is basically partial acceptance or partial surrender, and which often serves as a block to surrender. The remainder of this paper will concern itself with the reaction, with this, that reaction and how it throws light on the handling of patients, particularly alcoholics, me. Compliance needs careful definition. Here's what it means. It means agreeing, going along, but in no way implies enthusiastic, wholehearted assent and approval. There's a willingness not to argue or resist, but the cooperation is a bit grudging, a little forced. I am not entirely happy about agreeing. Compliance is, therefore, a word that portrays mixed feelings, divided sentiments. There is a willingness to go along, but at the same time there are some inner reservations which make the willingness somewhat thin and watery. It does not take much to overthrow this kind of willingness. The existence of this attitude will probably appear as neither strange nor new. Nor is it until one begins to see how it operates in the unconscious. So, the, the beauty of reading this paper, and, and also the tragedy of reading this paper, is that I become aware of what compliance is. It doesn't mean that I can do things wholeheartedly, but it means that I can see when I'm doing things whole, half-heartedly that I can see when I'm in compliance and not surrender. And then I at least have the awareness that this isn't going to go well because I am complying. And then I can turn. So all of the studies, all of the 12 steps, everything that we do in AA, in 12-step programs, is to remind me to turn to God as the source of my supply, and my power, and my strength, and my knowledge. It's all to remind me to turn. It's not to learn stuff so that I can be better at getting what I want. 
So the, the goal of seeing my compliance isn't so that I can act in non-compliance because I can't do that. I lack the capacity to uncomply myself. But I could turn and I could ask a power greater than myself to help restore me to sanity. And I could rightly relate myself to my higher power and say, oh, look, I'm in compliance again. I'm up to my old tricks. One of my old tricks is to be compliant. I'll say, yes, I'm happy to go to that restaurant when I really want to go to another restaurant. And then when I get to that restaurant and they don't seat us right away, I start huffing and puffing a little bit and going, mm, ah, oh, God. I don't say anything outright. Like I didn't want to go to this restaurant in the first place, but I didn't. And then if the food's a little slow, my huffing and puffing starts to be a complaint and out loud, oh, couldn't they get, you know, what's the problem with these people? And then, and then when somebody looks at me funny, then it's all, then it's all hell breaks loose at the table. And nobody understands why is this guy so crazy? He said he would willing to go here. Why is he going crazy? They, they're, the, my reaction to what's happening at the table is never in proportion to what actually is happening in the moment. It's because I was mad from when I agreed to go to the restaurant I didn't want to go to, even though I pretended with a smile on my face that I did. And then I was mad when we got there. And then I was mad for every time that I ever went anywhere that I didn't want to go, but I said, okay, because I'm compliant and I'm wishy-washy and I'm two-faced. And now all of that anger of everywhere I ever went that I didn't want to go is riding under the, con under the subconscious. And then they don't have the meal I want. And I go crazy. And people at the table look at me like, what in the hell is the matter with that guy? So, uh... This is why I need to see my compliance because it's, uh, we're going to read later. It's like holding a spring down. One thing must be made absolutely clear. There's a world of difference between thinking of compliance in conscious terms and in the unconscious terms. The following discussion is focused wholly on unconscious reactions and cannot be translated into conscious reactions until the possible effects of the former upon the later is appreciated. An illustration at this point may be helpful. An alcoholic, at the termination of a long and painful spree, decides that he's had enough. This decision is announced loudly and vehemently to all of those who will listen. My sincerity cannot be questioned. I mean every word of it. Yet I know, and so do those who hear me, that I will be singing another tune before many weeks have elapsed. For the moment, I seem to have accepted my alcohol problem. It says alcoholism. But it is only with a skin-deep assurance I will certainly revert to drinking. What I see here is compliance in action. During the time when my, when my memory of the suffering entailed by a spree is acute and painful, I agree to anything and everything. But deep inside in my unconscious, the best I can do is to comply, which means that when the reality of my drinking problem becomes undeniable, I no longer argue the inconvertible, incontrovertible facts. The fight, so to speak, has been knocked out of me. 
As time passes and the memory of my suffering weakens, the need for compliance lessens. As the need diminishes, the half of compliance that never really accepted begins to stir once more and soon resumes resumes its sway. The need for accepting the illness of alcoholism is ignored because, after all, deep inside, I really did not mean it. I had only complied. Of course, consciously, the victim of all this is completely in the dark. I don't know this is happening. I just think... I don't know what I think. What I get is messages from below that slowly start to bring a about a change in my conscious attitudes. For a while, drink was an anthem, an anathema. But now I begin to toy with the thought of one drink, one spoonful of sugar, one half a cup of coffee, one just speed on this freeway right here. It'll be okay if I just speed here. And so on, until finally, as the non-cooperative element in compliance takes over, I have my first, whatever it is I'm addicted to. Whatever it is, is the thing that will kill me. The other half of compliance is one out. The alcoholic, I am an unwitting victim of my unconscious inclinations. So by reading this and by making my compliance more conscious. I never knew I was compliant. I thought I was just a nice guy. I thought I went along with things and that was a good thing. And compliance is useful, but it's the enemy of surrender and to be surrendered and to go to the restaurant because it's a restaurant and it's now, and this is the restaurant we're going to. And being surrendered and finding the joy and the good in the experience as opposed to being in compliance and starting to take score and take notes and become agitated. That is terrible as opposed to being in surrender where now it's okay if the food's late, it doesn't matter. It's okay if everything isn't perfect because nothing's ever perfect. It's practically perfect, but nothing's perfect. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, let's see if I can get to the end of the next, no, we're never going to make it there. Okay, it is the nature of the word to have this two-faced quality of agreeing and then reneging, agreeing and then reneging. Yes, I'll go to the party. When it's time to go to the party, I don't want to go to the party anymore. Yes, I want to buy tickets to the Rolling Stones when it's actually the Rolling Stones night. I don't want to deal with the parking. I don't want to deal with the crowds. I don't want to go to the roll. I don't know why I made these tickets. It's agreeing and reneging. Agreeing and reneging. Yes, I'll go to that meeting. I don't want to go to that meeting anymore. It is only by realizing the widespread ramifications of the compliance tendencies that its far-flung importance can be appreciated. One of the first things to recognize is the fact that the presence of compliance blocks the capacity for true acceptance. So when I go along half-heartedly, I cannot go along in acceptance, in surrender. 
Since compliance is a form of acceptance, every time I am faced with the need to accept something, I fall back on compliance. And I think that's turning it over. I think when I say I'm turning this over to God, that I'm in acceptance, but I'm in compliance. I'm turning it over because I don't like it. And I want God to handle it. I'll just turn this over. Since compliance is a form of acceptance, every time I am faced with the need to accept something, I fall back on compliance, which serves for the moment the individual consciously believing that I have accepted. But since I have no real capacity to accept, I I am soon swinging in the other direction. My seeming acceptance of a thing of the past. In other words, the best an inwardly complying person can do towards acceptance is to comply. During treatment, the patient regularly is surprised to learn that that my previous tendency to agree in order to be agreeable was merely a lot of compliance without any genuine capacity to accept. So, really, that's where we're going to end. I have no genuine capacity to accept when I'm in compliance. So hopefully this has stimulated some um, some identification in yourself. And it has in me, again, every time I read this, it go, I go deeper into, oh God, really? Again? More? Deeper? Because it's unconscious. I can't see how compliant I am. And I will say this. When I was newly sober, about six months sober, I've probably said it a million times, but my sponsor looked across the table at me and I was this, I was this great sponsee and I was going to lunch with my sponsor every day because he was an old guy and he needed someone to talk to. And I was working a great program by letting this old guy talk to me every day. He was 52 at the time. I was 27 and he was an old guy. I'm 60 now. I'm thinking, wow, what these guys must think when I talk. But he looked across the table at me and he said to me, Randy, if you knew how sick you are, your head would explode. (laughs) And today I can see that that is as true today as it was the day that he said that. Because I still, no matter how much I've uncovered my compliant tendencies, I am still, there are still deeper and deeper layers of my compliance. And there are still deeper and deeper layers of the delusion that one day I'm going to wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only manage well. And I keep getting sucked back into that delusion. And I keep finding deeper and deeper compliances. So that's why I'm reading the book today. I'm going to stop talking now. We're going to open it up for sharing. So if you would like to share or if you would like to ask a question, you can raise your hand. I am taping the meeting as usual. So if you do share, you will be taped and the recordings are played back. So if you don't want to share something, don't share it. If you don't want it to be uh, shared again, don't share it.
好。哎 ，Hi Paul， I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholism being compliant, raising my hand. Hi Paul. Um, about a week ago, I was reading. I was reading the、uh, one of the Hindu Upanishads, which and this, which is just said, you know, trying to wrest satisfaction out of this world, so you be compliant. Uh, reminded me of the very end of of, of one of them, and、uh, when I read this, when when I read the word self, it's capital S, which means our 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 divine being, our our true self. It doesn't mean what we talk about here generally. So it says it says earthly pre sorry earthly pleasures exhaust themselves. Heavenly pleasures exhaust themselves. Wherever people go without attaining self or knowing truth, they cannot move at their pleasure. But after attaining self and knowing truth, wherever they go, they move at their pleasure.、Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's the same counter. What we would say counterintuitive, but it's actually because we're just programmed wrong.、Um, it is intuitive. It could be intuitive that. Surrender is freedom, and I've experienced that. You know, not hasn't. I've experienced that for periods of time. That surrender is freedom. I have. I don't have to do anything. Nothing is. I all I have to do is respond and do what's asked. Do what's called、uh, or I'm called upon to do, and I don't have to think. I don't have to plan. I don't have to. You know, work anything out. Scheme. It's it's freedom, it really is. So,、um, I, yeah, I just have to remember that I just said that moment to moment. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Karen. Karen,、uh, alcoholic. Thank you for the read.、Um, you really explained who I am. <laughs> And、uh, boy, do I have an example of this!、Uh, my husband had right hand surgery. We knew this was happening. We've been married for forty nine years. It's a hell of a long time. And so here I am saying, "Okay, I can handle this. I know what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to do everything. I'm going to be in acceptance. This was coming. This was planned. I'm going to have to shower him. I'm going to have to put the hearing aid in. I'm going to have to do this." I think you're getting the picture. So fast forward, and what do you think? What do you think this alcoholic had running around in her alcoholic mind with her alcoholism? Tired after a three and a half hour surgery. So we've got the whole picture going on. Okay, we've got this. Hello, the compliance went from the acceptance to the situation went to complete compliance by forty eight hours. I'm going. Oh my God! I've got to get up earlier. I've got to get everything done. So there is this whole compliance with the resentment piece. Everything that was just written in that paragraph, if I could find it. Not so much. I wanted to accept what was going on, right? And so it's so interesting to me. I was push pulling myself so much in this. Trying to be the person I wanted to be at the same time, going like I can't believe this is really happening and this is really happening, and I've got to push forward and push through this. And the struggle 
of not just being able to ask for that breath, that meditative breath to just stay in the here and now and reminding myself, everything is fine. Nobody is dying here. Take your time. Ask for help to get the help that I needed as I was just barreling through, being in a hurry. Hello? You know, everything you say about who we are as alcoholics just took freaking over. And the reality of just appreciating that I was not surrendering to the reality of the moment and that everything was fine in the here and now. You know, so the house wasn't going to get cleaned the way I wanted it to. All that shit that goes on all the time in my head. Fantastic. Exactly what it was. But it's very deep, Randy. It truly is deep to uncover it. And to not to continue to be perfectly honest with ourselves about what is really running the show here. Who is the authentic person in the house? Mm-hmm. That's what I got, Karen Alcoholic. Thanks, Karen. Phyllis. Love that. Love that example. Um, Randy, or whomever, you being the answerer right now. Um, so, compliant, the awareness of compliance what Karen was talking about really so vividly um, is the freedom to turn. I mean, I, I'm, I don't understand the language here. I really don't. I'm like a little more, more than a little lost. I'm complying to reading this. You know, I'm complying to reading this. So I'm getting pieces because my mind the split mind, the ego mind, is resistant. Okay, that's all I can write, really uh, piece together right now. I just wanted to say, it seems to be that the awareness compliance is the freedom to turn. Mm-hmm. That's all I can Yeah, hear you today. can't treat your compliance. You can no. just become aware no. of it and then can't be willing it. to turn. That's all. I've known shit for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Phyllis. Scott? Thank you, Randy. Scott, definitely an alcoholic. Hi, Scott. You have described what has been going on in my mind for as long as I can remember. Um, and I love to analyze things. And I think it's a mixture of self-defense that you don't want to expose yourself, uh, laziness. I think it's a mixed bag of things that hold me back. But it's amazing, as soon as you give yourself a chance, it's almost like asking a, a lady out for the very first time. Oh, it's perfectly that example. Um, then when you take a chance, it's opening the floodgates. Um, we recently had a, a dinner party with a couple that we've known forever. And fearful, didn't want to get dressed, commit to the hour and a half, da 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 But oh my God, 
Christ, the reward is just phenomenal. You just don't know what the reward is. Um, and it's like, take a chance. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Anyway, you hit the nail on the head, Randy. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Laura. Hi, Laura, alcoholic. Thank you, Randy. Um, I'm so glad you read that in the I statement, and I'm so glad that you were talking about your experience at the restaurant. I've certainly experienced that myself with other things. Um, kind of have a question. In my short time I've been here with uh, you and Primetime, um, and my experience of turning, um, I don't feel like a non-entity when I do that. And in fact, I feel like I'm more alive or more attending to what's going on in the moment. You know, like when you talked about, hey, God, will you be with me while I make my coffee here? You know, and will you be with me as I take a drive and that kind of thing? I mean, I don't experience that as non-entity. And yet it's in this reading is talking about that's what our fear is, to be that non-entity, like we don't have control. So I just wanted to ask you what your experience is about that. Um, and I'm hoping I'm not off the beam. It feels good to me now, but I'm new. So anyway, thank you. So I don't think I completely understood the question. I'm going to unmute you again. What was the uh, question? Uh, the question is... You know, uh, you've given an example where you say, I mean, I don't know if that's surrender necessarily, though, um, where you say, God, will you be with me mm -hmm. as I make my tea mm -hmm. right now? Mm -hmm. That type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I've been practicing that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a surrender mm -hmm. to let God be with me. Mm -hmm. And in this reading, they talk about well, if I surrender, I'll be the Casper milk toast. Mm -hmm. I'll be a non-entity. Mm -hmm. And yet my experience of that surrender of God, will you be with me as I make my tea? Mm -hmm. It's, I don't, I, I don't feel like a non-entity mm -hmm. in that. I feel more alive. In fact, I feel um, like I'm attending more to the present and I'm in it. So I'm just, wondering if that's my pink cloud experience or or if you practice this for a while how you experience that yeah for you yeah sure okay so that's my question okay so what it says is the i fear the fact that if i become a total acceptor i fear the fact that if i become a total acceptor that i will have no ability to re resist and will become a pushover or a casper milk toast I fear that. It doesn't say that that is the reality. That's the fear. And, okay. And there, the, so there, the reality is the more I surrender, the more I enjoy the moment I'm in or the more I'm present in the moment I'm in, the more freedom I have from the bondage of self, the more I can be present and enjoy this moment. So, yes, uh, right. it's about turning. <clears throat> right. And in the turning, when I realize... When I become aware that I am in compliance, that is when I need to rightly relate myself to my higher power, which means to tell my 
I'm in compliance about this. I'm not in surrender. Could you help me with my acceptance? Could you help me with my surrender? Because I'm not capable of doing it, but now I'm seeing that I'm not, and I'm rightly relating myself. I'm in compliance. That's rightly relating in the moment, always. So maybe it's not helpful to get mad at myself that no, I'm never. not in surrender, but just to turn. It's never, ever, 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 ever helpful to get mad at yourself. Okay. You, you don't, we do these things because of an illness, not because we're bad. Okay. And in, in beating myself up is just another way that the disease keeps me in the disease. Oh, it says, look at what an idiot you are. And then it wants to talk to you about what an idiot you are. It doesn't want to turn to God for help. It just wants to keep talking to you about what an idiot you are. And so there's no recovery there. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Rachel, why can't I unmute you? I can lower your... Oh, I think you're unmuted already. Rachel, can you unmute yourself? Where did you go? We lost... Oh, here you are. Can you unmute yourself? No. Okay. Sorry, Rachel. Okay. Venetia. Hi, everyone. Venetia, our colleague. Hi, Venetia. Um, Ranti, that is really painful to hear that. <laughs> really painful. Do you know, I've read it a bit before, and I was like, where's the answer? When do I get to the bit about how I can access this unconscious so that it's conscious and then it's healed? Where's the healing in it? And I sort of missed, um, I missed what, what, what you said, what, what was said before about that the compliance blocks the surrender. I thought the compliance was a sort of halfway point, but it's not. It's just like, I mean, really? And that word agree, I find it quite useful if I, <laughs> if I can agree with things. At least it's a step in the right direction, but rather than disagreeing with everything. And I thought, I really like your phrase, how you said it about, um, I've written it down, so it was so good. I'm determined to maintain my capacity for resistance. I mean, it's just insane, isn't it, really? Because it's so painful. But that's, it's still, yeah. Um, thank you so much for sort of really taking the time to go through it and bring it to light because the, the sort of written word, it needs to be, li like, you know, lived and... Um, Oh, God. And it, it just makes so much sense. I mean, why why I find it so hard to accept so much. Right. Um, and the pathway, you know, which is, I mean, I went to, I'll just share quickly, I went to an, an in-person meeting. I hadn't been for a long time. And I got there and it was like, oh, God, I remember why I don't, why I'm quite happy doing Zoom because it felt unsafe and there was a lot of noise. And heat was on and all these different things. And they were reading step six. And I suddenly, you know, I, was I didn't know I was resisting. I just was feeling um, in survival. I was feeling unsafe. And I suddenly got given, because I can't surrender. You always, you know, I really, really believe that. I cannot surrender myself. But I suddenly got something in my mind which said, why don't you just 
let it be. Just why don't you leave it alone? And everything sort of dropped. And, and I suddenly felt part of everything rather than against everything. Um, and I now have the choice what I do. But anyhow, thank you so much, Randy. It's, I'm, looking, I'm really enjoying these meetings. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Lisa Fox. Hi, Lisa, alcoholic in Colorado. Hi, Lisa. Um, I, I'm so happy you're doing this. Um, you know, I think the only thing I knew about surrender versus compliance, even though I did print out the Chibo thing, papers, workbook, um, was what I heard on your YouTube. And, and it really solved a big mystery for me because I thought I was perfectly, you know, I was doing A the way you're supposed to. I went to a million meetings, blah, blah, blah. But I had no experience. I had the, a lot of words and a lot of opinions and uh and uh yeah just things didn't go right when i when i heard you first talk about this and knowing that surrender just like wasn't happening because of how my life is unmanageable you know i totally i just i just i'm exactly the person that you described and and it backfired in ways and i didn't understand until maybe a certain karen on this uh call helped me understand you know, just tuck it in my back pocket because I'm not allowed to get angry. It doesn't work. I'm going to explode at some point, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I and I haven't really crossed the line with the humility and the surrender. What I found is my defiance that I thought I didn't have because I'm perfectly compliant. But there was a lot of conscious and maybe unconscious um, defiance. And I feel hopeful about that because I heard somebody say, defiance, compliance, then surrender. So hopefully I'm getting a little bit closer so I can let go of my ego and uh, get free because I have almost eight years, but um, emotionally interacting with the rest of the world besides in a meeting is really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Lisa. Welcome. Uh, Rachel. Oh, cool. Hi, this is Rachel. I'm an alcoholic. Um, Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much, Randy, for a great meeting today. Um, I just wanted to share with the group I've been, um, I, I don't know, somehow I'm somehow getting it. I, I, I'm getting a visceral kind of a feeling when I'm, when I'm people-pleasing, when I'm in compliance, when I need to set a healthy boundary. At least the last couple of days, and I'll take it. I had such an awesome day yesterday. I was um, in babysitting through COVID, and... Um, and I babysit for usually really wealthy families um, in the Santa Barbara, Montecito area. And um, really lovely people. I, I mean, God has just brought some amazing people into my life. And I, 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 I like relating to these opportunities that people have been sharing about, like, oh, do I want to go to the, the show or the dinner or the dinner party or the whatever? And I do that now. I'm like, no, I'm going to go to somebody's house I've never met because I sometimes I'm booked through an agency. And... I'm going to be helpful and, and I'm going to do a good job. And I went to this house last night and they were, um, they weren't American, which is kind of cool. And the place is a freaking mess. I mean, there's just shit everywhere. Lego. I mean, just so much stuff. And I didn't let it bother me. I didn't judge them. The one little girl was having trouble, um, whatever, transitioning to bed. And, um, and God, I have a thing I, I can sing. I've always been able to sing. I guess somebody told me once I have, like, perfect pitch. But when I was in, like, third grade, I got humiliated by a teacher. It was, like, one of those things when, like, somebody calls you fat or whatever. It just stuck with me forever. And so I have this, like, fear of singing. And I don't know. God was just, like, 
I just started singing like some song from Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical, because we used to always go to the city and see all the musicals in like the late 70s. And and uh, this kid opens the shower door and he's looking at me like, what are... And I was like a freaking songbird and it was just lovely. I just felt like I was channeling and totally in the moment and of service to these kids and I calmed her down and they went to bed and it was just, I don't know, it was just really cool. The last... I don't know, a few days, I've just been in the flow, so I wanted to share that with the group. I just, I've been doing the deal, and and like you said, I can choose to meditate and rightly relate myself to God when I'm doing any of this, getting out of my car, or making a drink, or going up the stairs, or there's so many options that um, I'll just finish with. I'm also noticing, and maybe this is my alcoholism, but I'm noticing in other people that they need to do this too. <laughs> you know, I notice, like, without offering advice, which is what I usually do, um, I'm noticing, like, hey, I'm, I'm making some small improvements here, and this is cool. I'm going to give myself, you know, a little attaboy and, and, and say I'm doing enough, and right now I'm enough, and right now I'm here with you guys, and that's enough. So that's your teaching, Mandy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. Welcome. Great to hear you're feeling better. All right. So that's it. It's 1230. What a great meeting. Y'all are amazing. And I so enjoy reading this book with you. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to do that. Because otherwise I wouldn't read the book. <laughs> you're, you don't know how much you're helping me. I know that sounds crazy, but that is the reality of the situation. So I hope you have a blessed day. I appreciate you all so much. And um, I'm going to give everybody the ability to unmute themselves and we'll do the serenity prayer together and take a moment of silence first god grant me the serenity to accept the the courage, courage to change the same as I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you, Randy. Great to see you.